Hey, welcome to Gospel Community Sermon Podcast. Thanks for listening in. We hope that uh, you enjoy what you hear and that we handle the word faithfully. We'd invite you, if you have any questions or want to attend a service, to visit www.gcctroy.com. So this morning, I want to start off doing something just a little bit different than normal. Um, This may not feel like a small group. It depends on what we compare it to. Um, But as we think of everyone that's gathering this morning, even in this city or in this state or even go worldwide, this is a very small group. So I want to start off with a few questions, and I do want some interaction back. And so it's going to be just like small group. Um, I'm good with silence. So I'm going to wait until I get some, some responses back before we dive into the passage. Um, the first question I want to ask is, is what are some key items in a good relationship? Good one. What it compromise, sacrifice, commitment, service. Those are all good things, and those are all things that is not pertaining to just one person, right? We can't have sacrifice without another person. We can't have commitment without something else. We can't have conversation without something else. And so we're taking a break from Exodus currently for the next four weeks now, I guess, after this week. And we're kind of going through this this year we want to focus on as a church body on our prayer, on our prayer life. And so today we're going to focus on all of those items you mentioned are excellent for relationship. We want to focus on conversation because that is um, that is a simple way to define prayer. It's much deeper than that, but a simple way is prayer is conversation with God. A good relationship, I would challenge, is not possible without conversation. And in order to have conversation, though, and good conversation, we need to know the person we're wanting to talk to. And so the more we're with them, the more the more we talk to them. And so... This, what I'm about to say is, is hard. And so I want you to know, first off, we will end on a very positive note. Um, but, and secondly, feelings of shame or guilt are not from God. Feelings of conviction are. Conviction will convict our hearts and they'll be changed. So I would say, that our prayer life is a direct indicator of our relationship with him. And if you're like me, I'm not real proud of my prayer life. How many here can say that their prayer life is exactly as good as you think it should be? And I know it's hard. 
we don't see him. We don't, we can't just sit and see him face to face. And his grace and mercy covers that. So I'm not, I don't want this to be a down thing, but I want us to see the, the, the seriousness and the reason why that we should strive daily to know him. Because when we know him, we're going to talk to him. And it's going to be more than just praying before a meal or praying before we go to bed. That's how, that's how it says we can pray without ceasing. It's because he's constantly in our minds, in our hearts, and good things happen. And we praise him, bad things happen. We say, Father, I know you're with me. Help me. And it's just, it's just a constant rhythm of our life. And so that's what I want to encourage us to today. And have you ever had a friend that only talked to you when they needed something? That can get tiresome. Thankfully, God does not grow weary. God's not like us. He has mercy and grace that we don't provide to others like he does. Have you ever had a friend that only talked to you when they were down or depressed, but they didn't call you when the things were going good? And those are the things that it, that convicted me because it's like I so often cry out to him and pr- talk to him when I'm in need, but when I'm not in, when I don't, I'm always in need. But when I'm deceived and think I'm in not not in need, then I don't talk to him as much. So. Here's where I need a couple more um, things from you guys. If you could be someone in the Bible, who would it be? I'm looking for one individual, and it's actually pretty evident. Maybe. Could be. You don't have to respond to that one because it's pretty evident. David was a man after God's own heart. Was David without sin? No. Some of the sins he committed, he had his best guy murdered on purpose so that he could marry his wife. He numbered the people. He sinned greatly against God multiple times. And if David was a pastor of a church today, he would probably be canceled. He would be canceled and he would be a nobody. But praise God that. David was a man after his own heart. And why? It was because when his sin was brought before him, he repented and he was so close to the Father. He was so close to God. And this was before even like the apostles walked with Jesus. David didn't. He had a closeness to God. He's similar to what like we we have not seen Jesus face to face. David didn't either, but there was so many things that happened in David's life that David knew that there was that there was a God. And there's so many things that happen in our lives, if we're honest, that shows us that there is a God. And he is our shepherd. Um, so when we go through Psalms 23 here, the purpose here is so that we can know him more. And by knowing the good shepherd, we want to, hopefully that will encourage then and it will cause greater communication, greater prayer life, 
that as we go through the things that David refers to here. And so David understood shepherding very well. If you remember, he was a shepherd. And so there's so many times that he refers to sheep and shepherd and sheep is sheep just sheep is mentioned over 500 times in the bible because sheep need so many they're so needy they can't do anything on their own they they will without a shepherd they will they will have problems in fact the next slide you could pull it up that's similar to what sheep look like without a shepherd when we don't have anything to lead us, our lives feel dry. They're desolate. And sheep are known to, if they're close to a cliff and there's no one there, no one leading, if one goes off, they just all follow. They'll just all just keep running off the cliff. And so we need, we need a good shepherd and we have a good shepherd. And David describes it well. So I want to read before we get into Psalm 23. This is kind of an anti-Psalm 23 before we get into Psalm 23. And some of these things that are mentioned here, um, I'm guilty of. I, they, they resonated with me, and so it's convicting. It says, I am on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless. I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone, facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me. And I'm so much all about me, sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever, homeless, free, falling into void? That's a sad way of putting things, but there's a lot of people, and sometimes we find ourselves aligning with some of those things, and sometimes we rub shoulders during our day-to-day -day with people like that. And so there's a good shepherd that we want to talk about this morning that hopefully stirs your heart, that encourages you to talk about with other people as you hear these types of things throughout your day-to-day. We're going to start off with verse 1. David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When the Lord is our shepherd, 
There's nothing that we lack. He promises that. We may think we want something different. We may ask for different things, but we always have to remember, Father, it's your will, not mine. And we have to rest there. And when we really, truly believe that he is the full provider, we can say, Father, I don't understand, but I lack nothing because you are in control of my life. So that's what David's saying, and some of the reasons we'll get into then of why we lack nothing. Psalm 3410 says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Looks like a nice place to lay down, don't it? Um. We lack nothing because he's the one that leads us. And sheep are interesting because sheep, if they are not calm and safe, they don't feel safe and calm. They won't lie down. So just natural sheep and shepherds. If you watch some documentaries on shepherding, it's so fascinating because we are so often called like sheep and you see that there's so many similarities and a shepherd will a shepherd will lead his sheep to new pastures because if he does not lead them to new pastures then the sheep will overgraze the pasture and then there will be nothing there and it just becomes like the first picture we saw and so we need led to different pastures and one of the ways i like to think about we are we like things comfortable, and a lot of times we don't like change, but a lot of times that change, if it's not a result of our sin, if it's God directing the changes in our lives, it's God leading us to new pastures. We may think, oh, but I like this pasture, and he's like, no, I want you in this pasture, so he's leading us. As our day-to-day -day lives change, and we go through different seasons, Look at each season, even if it's hard, as a new pasture that he's leading us in. He leads us to a new pasture because it's full of nourishment for our spiritual life and for him to see the growth that he wants to see in us. It also says then that he leads me beside still waters. Sheep will not drink from a raging river. From troubled waters, they just don't feel safe. So they need calm, still water in order to have their thirst quenched. And how many times I think of, like, we try to find satisfaction or to quench our thirst in so many places that this world offers, and it just does not quench the thirst like the peace of our Father. And even some of the things that seem right, like, some of the times when we're with a lot of people and it's been busy and you're like, oh, I just need some time alone. Time alone is okay for a little bit. And then after a little bit, it's like, this is, this is, not, this is not good. And those are where he lead, that, that peace that only comes from him is quenched when, when he provides it. And verse three, David goes on it says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake 
when we follow him, there's, there's no other way. It's a righteous way because he is righteous. So the path is always righteous living when we follow him. And the indicator for if we're on the right path is whose name are we promoting? Are we promoting ours or his? And it says it's for his name's sake. It's for his honor and for his glory. And so when we go through our paths of life and we talk to him and we pray to him, keep that first and foremost. Or when we say, Father, you know, I have this or this or that, always, always, always remind yourself and say it to him like, but for your name's glory not for mine, because some of the things that I ask for that I want changed is for me. It's for my glory. So that's um, it's a good, good reminder there. Uh, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some of the key things to remember is, is David saying, he's not saying, if I walk through the valley of shadow death, he's saying when. So don't be surprised when we find ourselves in the valleys. However, remember that he says through the valley. He doesn't say we're going to stay in the valley. He says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death it's not through the it's not i walk in the valley of death it's through it so it it will change it's a season but most importantly is is that's where we grow if you look at even in exodus the, or the other week where we saw that the israelites were when they went from egypt did god just build a bridge and take them over the red sea or did they go around it no they went through the red sea there's so many times that we need we need to go through things to realize that the only way we can get through them is with him and he's with us it says that he said i will fear no evil because you are with me and fear is Anxiety is a form of fear. In Philippians, it says, um, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with, what is it? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And so when you feel yourself being anxious, when you feel yourself in a valley, He's with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. And a shepherd carried two things. He carried the rod and the staff. And a rod would have been something shorter, more like a club. That's probably what David would have used when he struck the lion and the bear. And so God protects us with his rod. And the staff is what marks a shepherd. You've seen the, the crook of a shepherd's staff. That, that's only a shepherd carries something like that. And the interesting thing is it's only used for sheep. You don't really see that for other livestock and animals. 
but the hook on the end is for when a sheep was caught in a bush or down in a rocky part of a cliff and the shepherd would reach down and use that to help pull the sheep back to him. And so the times where, where we're injured or away from him, he protects us and he also uses, he, he also draws us close to him. It's, it's said that um, when a sheep is really injured, if his leg is broken or whatever it is, that the shepherd would carry the lamb on his shoulders during that time period. And when, when the leg would heal, that sheep would not leave the shepherd's side because of the time spent with the shepherd. And that happens naturally. And think of the difficult times that we go through, the valleys that we go through. God allows those with the intent of drawing closer to him. Verse number five says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now, when David was writing this, not sure exactly what he had in mind. I'm sure he was thinking of his physical enemies, but he was probably thinking of his mental enemies also. And that's where I want to focus on um, who are your enemies? Scripture reminds us that the war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And our enemies, if you can picture this table, our enemies are our thoughts and our temptations, our anger, our doubt, our worry, our fear, our anxiety, our assumptions. And when we find ourselves in this place, always remember that he has a table set. And picture this table as just a table for two. And this table has everything that you need. It has the sustenance. It has the nourish. It's got everything that you need. But more importantly than that, if you think of going to a nice restaurant with, for a date or a good friend or whatever it is, the restaurant's nice, the food's nice, but it's the, it's the company you're with that makes the night. So those times when you feel alone or tempted or you feel like nothing's going right, people are against you, the Father has a table set, and He's there, and He wants you to sit with Him, to dine with Him. I just read a book by Louis Giglio that was titled, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And he says, that table is just for you and God. Like, don't, don't entertain these other thoughts. Don't give the enemy a seat. And it's so easy to do. Uh, this week, I just had a little instance at work 
and there was some assumptions and different things and I was going to address it and I shared with Carla like tomorrow I'm going to do this and this and this and I'm going to take care of it and she said uh are you giving the enemy a seat at your table now I was partially right things need to be taken care of but my attitude was wrong and so I was I was giving the enemy a seat so man it's it applies to my life and I think it probably does to yours in some areas. It says you anoint my head with oil. Now a shepherd, uh, every day, every night, a lot of times before the sheep would bed down, he will anoint, he will put oil on their head, on their nose, on their ears, because their nose and ears is the most vulnerable spot. Like it's not bears or wolves that get the most sheep. It's there's flies and there's these bugs that will, as they're grazing, they'll get up in the nostrils or in the ears and they'll lay eggs there. And those larvae then, once they hatch, will burrow into the flesh. And if left unattended, a sheep is known to even go to the extent of banging their heads on trees, on rocks, even sometimes to their deaths, just because they are so, they just cannot get away from this. And so, a shepherd will put oil on the nose and ears, and that keeps the flies and he out. And that that calms the sheep. There's so many different parts of anointing that we could look at, but it calms the sheep and allows them to lay down at night. And when they lay down at night, um, they're able to rest. And so the oil that he provides to us, that he anoints us with, when we're in his presence, and we're communicating with him and communing with him. That's what protects us from all these things that I mentioned about the table, like our anger, our doubt, our worry. These little, th these little flies can get into our mind. And if we don't take care of them, they, can, they continue to grow. And they can get to the point where it's just, we explode. We're just, we're past, we're past, um we've just gone too far and so by coming to him daily and allowing him to anoint us with his grace his mercy and his promises we can be protected from these things verse 6 Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we are away from him and scattered out, if you can picture like a herd of sheep scattered out, his grace and mercy is what draws us back. And so the picture that David is presenting and writing this is a beautiful picture. And um, I heard a sermon, a guy mentioned, he said, it's, it's God's two sheepdogs, one's grace and one's mercy. And if you watch sheepdogs work, they're always working the edges, they're working the sides, they're, they're, they're pushing the sheep to the shepherd. So there's a little video here before we finish up here little 30 second clip that 
I want to just get a better mental picture of grace and mercy working in our lives. Restart it here. Just a little clip. There we go. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just thought, I don't know. I thought it was really, it's just a good mental picture to picture his grace and mercy following us all the days of our lives forever. It's not, and that's the, that's the beautiful part. Yes. We mentioned the beginning, how we realize that our relationship can be so much stronger, but praise God, praise God, we're here. It's his grace and mercy that we're here and we're sharing this and that we can encourage us to do that. Um, everything that he allows to happen in our life is because of his abundant grace and mercy. And it's meant to draw us closer to him. You think of Job, like he, everything was stripped from him. Um, but the end, end result was, is that Job, praise God. And so we need to remember that when things happen, good or bad, ask him to help show us what you're trying to do here. Help this draw me closer to you. And the result of his grace and mercy is that we will dwell in his house forever. And how? It's because of his death and his resurrection. Jesus says in John 10, 9, he said, I am the door. Interesting thing with um, over, over in the Middle East with the shepherd. I don't know how it's all done today. Um, but a lot of times the when the sheep were brought into their place, they would spend the night. There is no gate. There's a fence and a corral, but there is no gate. There's an opening. And the shepherd is the gate. The shepherd would sleep there through the night. So anything that was going to come into the sheep had to pass the shepherd first. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He goes on to say in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So to sum this up, prayer takes discipline to start with. I kind of look at it like, um, I don't know if any of you run or if any of you work out, exercise. When you start doing that, it takes discipline. It's there's times where it's like this is not this is not easy. But if you stay in that rhythm, that that discipline changes to desire. You see results. You see that you're healthier. You see these things happen. 
And prayer is the same way. It's hard to start. There's times where I don't feel like praying, but it's what I need to do. And then when we do that, we're so refreshed. And how many times in my life when things are really kind of what I would say a mess or a wreck and, you know, praise God for good friends. And they're like, well, how's your, how's your time been in the word? Well, not real good. Like, what, why do I do this? Why, why should I be surprised that things aren't real good? So it takes discipline. Prayer is also, um, should turn into something that's spontaneous and not just a checklist. Because if we treated our relationships with our friends and our wives with just a checklist, like all these things, it's just not, it's not healthy. And so we want that prayer to turn into spontaneous, something spontaneous. He does, he wants to hear from us. It's, it's like picturing if you're a parent and you see your children out in the yard playing, doing all these things, you see everything they're doing. And they come in and they want to tell you all about what they just did. You love that. You know what they just did. They don't have to tell you. And he's the same way. He knows everything before we even say it. But he loves to hear it. He just wants to, he wants to be at the table with us. He just wants to hear from us. So in summary, our good shepherd supplies all our need. He provides peace and comfort. He leads us. He protects us. He gives us grace and mercy. And he wants to dwell with us forever. So it seems to me that we should talk and dine with him often. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we are able to stand in your presence, that we can call you Father. And Father, um, it's all because of your grace and your mercy um, that you give us a place with you forever, your grace that we do not deserve. And Father, you don't give us what we deserve, which is death and being separated from you. And so, Father, um, guide our hearts, help us that our paths would be paths of righteousness, that they would be for your namesake, for your glory. And Father, help us that we would sit and dine with you often, and then our prayer lives would be unceasing, and that we would see you with us throughout every moment of our lives for your praise, Father, and for your glory, and that we can share you with others. So, Father, um, remind us, remind us that you are with us through the hard times. And, Father, um, we just, we thank you for your comfort, for your protection, and for your anointing. Uh, and we just thank you for, most of all, for your way of restoring us back to you by sacrificing your son 
that died on our behalf. And so, Father, just help us that we would live a resurrected life and that we would um, live for you forever. We love you and ask this in your name. Amen.